0: From the website Girlfriendit.com and the movement Girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Dernigan on TogiNet.com.
1: Well, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And Lisa is out and about, and we are calling her the the Grinch of Christmas since she has left me as a a Lone Ranger um, to do the radio by myself. But we are going to have an exciting time today with a very special guest. And we just want to remind you that we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at GirlfriendIt.com, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, according to the research of the March of Dimes, somewhere between 15 to 25% of known pregnancies end in miscarriage. Despite the fact that so many women share a common loss, they endure the grief of miscarriage alone and in silence. Many feel a sense of guilt or shame as though what happened was somehow their fault. Others simply don't want to burden others, with their pain, and no matter the reason, the dark season following the loss of a baby can shake the faith of even the most faithful believer. In miscarried joy, moving beyond incredible pain to extraordinary faith, Tanika Fitzgerald offers hope for those dealing with incredible pain of loss, providing help to conquer discouragement and discover new purpose. So I want to welcome our special guest today. Tanika, how are you?
2: I'm wonderful. How are you?
1: I am doing fabulous. So Tanika, you know, I, I had so much fun. We were chatting yesterday um, about today's show and just hearing your story and your faith. And I, I I will have to tell you, joy just comes out your pores as you're talking. So I can <laughs> tell you you're talking with a smile on your face. And um, I, I love that. So tell us a little bit about your story and what happened with how just that incredible pain and that loss, it, it does something to you. And that discouragement, all of a sudden, you're discovering a new purpose. So tell us a little bit about your journey.
2: Well, you know, I was tired, when I was a little girl, we all sang the song, First Comes Love, Then Comes Marriage, Then Comes the Baby in the Baby Carriage. <laughs> and it didn't exactly happen like that for us. Um, we got pregnant the first time. We had just come back off a of vacation in Florida. And I had no idea I was pregnant, honestly. We had just stopped our method of birth control, and we're ready to be parents. So we said whenever it happens, it happens. And it did. And so we found out we were pregnant end of May, early June. And then a couple weeks later, I began to bleed. And, of course, it was scary. I didn't know what was going on. And I called my doctor, and she didn't have the best bedside manner. (laughs) And she Mm -hmm. said, you're beginning to miscarry and there's nothing I can do about it mm. and so you just have to wait so we waited we went to the doctor a couple of days later and found out that we were beginning to miscarry so went through the process had a DNC and then something really scary happened we received another call from the doctor saying you need to get back in here your numbers are showing that you are still pregnant And just to make a long story short, found out that we were carrying twins. The second baby was located right out of my ovary, and so I had to have medication to miscarry that baby naturally. So within a course of a week and a half, I had two miscarriages. Mm,
1: mm.
2: And then later on, a few months later, we got pregnant again and found out that the baby had made it to the uterus. Everything looked well, and then we came back for a routine appointment, and the doctor informed us that my gestational sac was irregular and that they could not see the fetal pole. So they asked us to wait. We came back a week, and we were able to see our baby, so we were, again, joyful. And then a week later, there was nothing, so we found out we had miscarried again. Mm.
1: Hmm. You know, it's, it's so hard when I know there's so many women out there and, and just the listeners that are, that are there that some of them are going through this right now, as well as just the infertility of not even be being able to get pregnant. I know my, my sister was one of those where, you know, tried everything in a decade, um, to get pregnant. And of course, she adopted. And, you know, now you look back and you go, this was God's perfect plan, uh, for her, but that doesn't take away from the the pain and just, you know, those trials and the tribulation of what you're going through. But I, I'm just curious how in, in, in the time process, all of this is happening, because it's one thing when you, just seem to, you can't get pregnant. But then when you're able to get pregnant, but you're losing and you're having, you know, miscarriages and losing the baby, how how have you been emotionally when you're going through all of that?
2: You know, in the beginning, I was probably an emotional wreck. Um, There were times when I felt angry with God. There were times when I felt like I didn't know why this was happening to me. And my husband and I were both very frustrated. But as I ran to God in those times. His Word comforted me. Holy Spirit was able to comfort me, and I began to know God as the comforter that I've never known before. And so now I'm okay. However, there are days because since that time, it's been been a little over a year since we've had our last miscarriage, and we have not been able to get pregnant since then. And so there are times when I do wake up and I feel discouraged or frustrated, and I say, God, what's going on? Why aren't I getting pregnant? And it's in those times that I have to remind myself of his word and remind myself that I have committed to allowing him to do whatever he wants to do with my life. And that means that I have to trust his timing, which is perfect. And so I, you know, it's in those times, I just have to say, God, I know you're going to give us the babies that we desire. And I just have to trust your timing.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So what led to, um, take, you know, what happened where, it, had you been writing books in the past and then you just felt that, God put this one on your heart or...
2: Well, this is my first book. I've always loved to write. I've been blogging. I've been writing for magazines. And I always knew that I wanted to write a book, but I never knew what that book would be about. And so in my private time with God and when when our second miscarriage happened, I looked for a resource that would really help me to get through the pain that I was experiencing. And I found books that were written by women who already had their babies, women who were holding their babies in their hands and they're kissing them and... And I could not find one that was written by a woman that was still on this side of the journey. And it was then that God said, that's because I commissioned you to write it. And I just began to really dig deeper into the Word. I read about the barren women of the Bible and extracted lessons from their lives that we should be applying to ours, not because we want a baby, but because we want to strengthen our relationship with Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit just started to whisper to me everything that I was supposed to write, which is inside of Miss Carrie Joy today.
1: Mm. So, you know, when you say that about just, you know, going deeper with God, I'm always... Amazed because when when I interview, especially when I'm interviewing people, with just in, in talking and having conversations with with others that some of the most interesting people that I've met are the ones that have gone through the worst trials and tribulations that have really dealt with a crisis in their in their life and then I, I think, you know what God, I don't really want to be that interesting. <laughs> You see that and you go, wow, I, I have a, a girlfriend who um, has has a child that during birth, um, some things happened where they had to do surgery. And now she is, you know, she she doesn't walk on her own. She doesn't have the capacity to really learn. And uh, but yet when you talk to her, she says, this is this child is the biggest joy in my life. And I've learned so much from God and I look at her life and go, okay, God, I don't, I don't want that close <laughs> to, go, to go through that. And yet, don't you think that, isn't that wild how God does that? How he literally just brings you into his arms and it's this crazy love.
2: Well, that absolutely. You because see. none of us would raise our hand and say, God, choose me. I want to be the woman to have three miscarriages. I want to be the one to go through that. Or I want to be the barren woman, or I want to be the young widow. None of us would raise our hands to volunteer for that. But when we go through these types of trials and tribulations, not only do we learn the character of God, but it's God molding the character of us as well. And we become who he's called us to be through the trials and tribulations that we not only suffer, but that we triumph and be victorious over.
1: Mm, I love that. I love that. And, and also, is God molding us to be the character that he wants us to be? And, you know, I, I know many times when people are experiencing something to that degree, going through a crisis or whatever, we have a tendency where we put God in a box of oh, God's disciplining me. It's kind of like when Job was going through, you know, all of his fun times where his friends literally gather around and, you know, what have you done? Where is God disciplining you rather than, no, this is life. This is earth. We're not in heaven. And sometimes life happens. This happens. But God will use everything to good when we Like you said, just learning how to surrender all of that over to Him. And we only have a minute. Uh, Can you just give us a tip on that when you say, is God molding your character?
2: Well, I would go to the scripture in James where it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so it's in the test that God is helping us to build our faith, and he's teaching us patience and he's te- and all of those things help our character to be to become more christ like and so in these times and trials, we should be he is molding us into being more of what he's called us to be mm. Well, I
1: absolutely love that. And I love James, first of all. It's, it's a love-hate relationship, but we'll get into that in our <laughs> next segment. We'll be right back after this commercial.
0: For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: One of the supreme advantages I had by growing up in the Pacific Northwest was the abundance of apples. I love apples, whether they're Granny Smith, Macintosh, Gala, or Red Delicious. And at only 55 calories per small apple, they are a fabulous tool for weight loss. Apples pack three grams of fiber and help you feel fuller longer because the fiber expands in your stomach, so it takes less food to satisfy your hunger. They are easy to take with you, so you can enjoy the flavor of apples anywhere, anytime. Discovery Health calls apples a jewel of healthy eating. They are loaded with vitamin C and other antioxidants. Regardless of the type of apple you prefer, apples are a perfect addition to your weight loss plan. So grab an apple every time you head out the door and enjoy this fabulous fruit.
1: Gerald works in consumer insights and strategy for a Fortune 100 company and holds an MBA in strategic marketing and management from ASU, which, by the way, yay, Arizona. She has enjoyed a successful career in that field for the past decade but is now taking a new direction, combining her career passion with her spiritual calling, balancing her full-time job with her love of the written word. And she's just finished an incredible book called In Miscarriage. Joy, moving beyond incredible pain to extraordinary faith. And Tanika, uh, first of all, I want to—we want to get back into James we were talking about, but just those two words, miscarried joy, um, that wouldn't normally be in the same same sentence. So I I do have to ask you, um, how did you even come about in the name of that book?
2: When I started writing the book, I had no idea of the title, and one day I wrote down miscarried, but I knew that that wasn't going to be the title and in the midst of my writing God whispered to me that I was still I still needed to be joyful and he took me to that passage in James that says consider it great joy and then when I thought about what had happened to me is I had miscarried my bundles of joy Mm -hmm. and so repeatedly Holy Spirit just kept giving me the word joy and that's how I came to the title
0: Mm.
1: I love that and you know um, that, that does go back to James where it's, it's easy when you're, you know, not easy. That's a, that's a very strong word <laughs> and a hindsight to go, okay, I can see the, the joy and all of it. But I, I do want to go back to, I said something earlier about, you know, this is God's perfect plan and. I, I actually don't like when people say that, when believers say this is God's perfect plan, when you're the one going through the tragedy or the crisis. Of course. You go, uh, hello, this is not God's perfect plan. I would still be walking around in the Garden of Eden. Thank you very much. So we do live in a fallen world, and it's not—there I, 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 is no point that God wants to see— you know, his precious children going through pain and it's just the fact that he's there right alongside us going, you know, through that pain with us. I know I was going through a major um, struggle in my life and I actually had a pastor, say that to me, you know, you just got to know that this is God's perfect plan. And I, I had a hard time. I wanted to throw the table at him, but I, 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 I stayed and I was, uh, I behaved myself, but, um, we do have to be careful. I think when, when people are going through a tragedy as to, um, how we respond to them. So when you were going through, Uh, some of this pain, were there times that you became angry at the way people responded? And will you share that, those stories with us?
2: You know, absolutely there were. we, We did not share that we had had miscarriages with many people. Only our parents and very, very close friends knew. And when we did begin to tell people when God told me I had to take this message out into the world, that was my concern. How would people respond? And I had different responses, um, streaming, you know, from ranging from, well, what did you do? Did you exercise too much? Did you not eat the right things as if it mm-hmm. was my fault? Or I did have people say, oh, it's okay, at least you can get pregnant. Or yes. it's okay, you'll get pregnant again. And that doesn't lessen the pain. And what I had to realize is that unless a woman has been through this, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so I think we and that in those types of moments have to extend the same grace that Jesus Christ gives to us and say they just don't understand and they're trying to find words that comfort, but because they don't know how it feels, sometimes they don't find the right word. Mm-hmm.
1: Lisa and I have a saying where we just tell each other, refuse to be offended. You just, like you said, offer yeah. grace, refuse to be offended because... And I I know I've done it. I'm an extrovert that likes to talk and process every thought out loud. And as an extrovert, to all the other extroverts out there, uh, sometimes you just have to keep your mouth shut (laughs) and don't (laughs) process things out loud. And you think you're being comforting. You know, you think you're saying things like like what you said, you know, where, oh, I'm sure you're going to get pregnant or all in God's timing or whatever the silly things that we come up with. And uh many times it's it's just listening and not opening our mouth. And and yeah. I that's a lesson that I, I'm I'm still really trying to figure out. So what were some of the things that people said that did give you comfort or did it only come from those that you knew were going through similar situations?
2: I would say the comfort that I had came from probably three to four key people. That would be my husband, my mom and two of my best friends, and it was just, you know, I'm praying for you, I'm praying with you, even if it was just, you know, sitting on the phone to cry with me or, to you know, my husband, you know, hugging me and praying, you know, praying with me or praying over me. That was really when I had the most comfort, and my mom went through similar experiences with trying to have babies. So, I mean, having her by my side was just I mean, I cannot imagine walking through this without her because she's been through it. And so she knew what to say. She knew what not to say. Um, Even in helping me, you know, making decisions of choosing new doctors, you know, or things of that nature, just having her was I mean, I can't even put put it into words how important that has been throughout this journey.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, what about your husband's
2: mom? My husband's she, mom. Yeah,
1: has she been a part of this?
2: Oh yes, this you? Yes, and so it's it's funny because my mom and my my mother-in-law is why I call her. They're very they have very different personalities, and they comfort in different ways. So she was the one that you know if she knew I was feeling down, let's go to breakfast, let's go out and have fun. You know, you know she was always the one that was by my side to help me find the humor or focus on the good times. So she's definitely been helpful as
1: well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it funny how God puts all these temperaments in your life to really, you know, help you. It's never just like one person. It, it, you can never have too many people around you that just love you.
2: <laughs> there's never, I think there's no one. such thing as too much love.
1: Exactly. I'm that one that went yeah, let's go eat. (laughs) Let's drown our sorrows in food and, you know, shopping. (laughs) So uh, that way hopefully then I, I can keep my mouth shut. But what do you think was the turning point? Like you know how sometimes you just have that where you go, Oh, I get it and you can look back and actually see the chatter that you put in your head and the narrative that you were giving yourself that wasn't healthy. And you can go because you're. It's almost like not that you're crossing over to the promised land, but you kind of do. Like there's this mental thing that you get a turning point in your faith. Have you had that yet?
2: I, I have, and that that for me started with a decision, and it was the decision to not be discouraged. Mm-hmm. And I write about this in miscarriage joy, and it doesn't matter what you've miscarried, whether it's been a baby, a purpose, a plan, a calling. You become discouraged, and what that does is it leads to doubt and unbelief, and it also temporarily blinds us to the truth and power that Christ possesses. So the turning point for me was when I got up and I said, you know what, I'm not going to be discouraged. I know that this has happened to me, but I'm going to make a choice, and I'm going to speak positive things. I'm going to speak those children that we desire into existence, because the Bible says to speak those things that aren't as though they were. And so I made the decision that I wasn't going to be discouraged anymore. And I have to make that decision over and over again sometimes, but it really starts with a decision. And then also when I accepted that I was hurting and I said, God, I need you to comfort me. God, I need you to help me to, you know, to free me from this pain that I'm feeling. When I turned it all over to God, I felt so free. mm
1: Yeah. You know, just that is such a, a great tip on it is, it's a choice. It is a decision. And I know, um, I, I struggled with infertility for a while and you get to the point, if you don't make that decision, and if you don't have that turning point, you, you almost can't breathe. There were times when I would go out with my friends and they were all having babies and you would hold a baby and you would just, it, 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 that pain is actually turning into liquid coming out your pores. Cause you, you feel, I don't know if you went through this, but I, I felt like I don't even want to go out with my friends. I can't even look at another baby or watch another husband take this precious little baby and see that look in their eyes where it, it messes with you. Did you feel that way where it was hard to even be around and go to baby showers and do all that?
2: I did not, and the reason is, so when I was waiting for a husband, it seemed like everyone around me was getting engaged and getting married. I think I got invited to 12 weddings in a year and a half, mm-hmm. and I remember telling my mom, I'm not going to another wedding, and she said, yes, you are, <laughs> and she reminded me of God's Word. God's Word says, rejoice with those that rejoice, and so as mm-hmm. I'm waiting to have a baby, the news of pregnancies and birth, has, it seems like it's been everywhere and mm-hmm. In my family, in my friend circle, on social media. And I have always loved children. My husband and I love children. And so we actually have been opposite, we've ran to those who are having babies and we love spending time with children and holding babies because for me it's a reminder of what god can do and Mm -hmm. i know that if he can do it for the people that are right around me then he's in the neighborhood and i know and i say god i know that you'll do this for me and my husband and i talk about what we're going to name our children we bought them clothes and we talk about what life will will be like with those children
1: Mm -hmm. I love that Tanika. That's so neat. And uh, yeah, you know, I finally was able to get to that, that place. And I, once again, that for our listeners out there that are going through this, it, it changes everything. It is a complete game changer when you can have that mindset and just run to be around, um, other children because otherwise it, it messes with your heart and, and your character when you start allowing the enemy to, you know, just tell you those lies and not focus on the truth and the beauty of what, what God can can do and will do in your life. Well, we are getting ready to go into another commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your your book, Tanika, and some other exciting things of what you have not to do so not We'll be right back.
0: This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these.
3: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: Even though you may not know that you're eating them, trans fats will soon be gone from the American diet. Fox News says that trans fats are created when hydrogen is added to vegetable oil to make it more solid, like shortening and margarine, which is why they are also called partially hydrogenated oils. It increases the shelf life of food and enhances flavor. Foods commonly containing trans fats are microwave popcorn, pie crusts, frozen pizza, biscuits, frosting, coffee creamers, and margarine. A diet that is rich in trans fats has been linked to memory loss, higher body weight, heart disease, and a greater rise in LDL, or bad cholesterol, in the blood, which leads to cardiovascular disease. And cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death in the U.S. Trans fats are not good for human consumption, and the FDA has ruled that they need to be phased out in the next few years because they are a threat to public health.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: We have author of Miscarried Joy, Moving Beyond Incredible Pain to Extraordinary Faith. Tanika Fitzgerald as our guest today. And back in 2012, Tanika, you founded Armed Magazine, a publication yeah. created to equip women. I want to hear more about this. Um, you you are doing these amazing things as well as working in the corporate world. So I I love, like I said, just the joy you have and your your spirit. And um, tell us a little bit about this magazine that you have out.
2: 2012, so God spoke to me in 2010 about starting a Christian magazine, and he started to download in me what he wanted it to be, and it was really just an online magazine to equip people for spiritual victory in battle. We fight spiritual battles in every area of our lives, and our finances, and our marriages, and our relationships, and our health, and ARMS is really just a place to help equip people to win in every area. So we had... Um, a lot of articles around how to manage your money, because a lot of times in church they'll say tithe, but they don't tell you how to manage your, your money. And so it doesn't matter if you tithe 10% if you don't know what to do with the rest of the 90. So we would help our readers to do that. We help our readers in their marriages. We would talk about, you know, just different types of topics that people are dealing with. And so In the next coming year, in 2017, we'll be relaunching the magazine online to be bigger and better.
1: Mm, Love that. That's awesome. And it's so neat to hear you even talk about, you know, we we say it many times. People will get into scripture and, um, you know, obviously God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And that is definitely where we need to be. Um, focusing is on the Bible, but I I also believe there there are specific tasks that we need to go through these steps to go. Yes, there is the blessing of tithing, and tithing is about being obedient. But then, what does that look like? How do how do we make that happen? And so, to have those specific steps, I believe are so significant, and especially. I, I've noticed lately, and Lisa and I have talked about this several times on the show, that and I believe that the millennials have so much that they're bringing to the table, and just they're amazing with you know how smart they are, and they have they've always had um, you know knowledge at their fingertips. But I also hear continuously, I'm so overwhelmed. I feel anxiety, I need Xanax, I need, you know, antidepressants. So what do you have tips for that in, in like when you're in your magazine on how do they, is that more about time management? What do you think is creating this fury
2: of being overwhelmed? Well, Patty, I, I am one of those that often say I am overwhelmed. And what I find for me is that when I'm overwhelmed, I find that I'm undernourished with the strength of God. And when I don't spend time with God, when I don't start my morning with him, I'm just going, going, going in my own strength. And that's, what happened with armed I was going in my own strength I had all these wonderful things that I wanted to do and all these ideas and I tried to do them all at the same time and became completely overwhelmed and what I found is that I wasn't listening to the voice of God just because he drops an idea in your spirit doesn't mean that it's meant for you to do right away and so it's not important to just only hear God It's also important to say, okay, God, you give me this. Now I need to sit on it until you give me the blueprint for what you want it to look like and the timing for what you want it, how you want it to be done. When God told me to write Ms. Carrie Joy, he was very specific, and he said, you need to publish this book before the end of 2016. And so I saw everything that I was doing, and this became my focus. And so not just as millennials, but as people who are living for God or people who want to be successful, we have to learn to focus. You cannot do everything well.
1: You cannot do everything well. That, that right there, we just have to let that sit <laughs> because <laughs> so many times we, we, uh, we want to jump like you said, rather than waiting for the blueprint. And that you know, that goes back to where I, I'm sure as you were studying um, you know, Sarah, when you just immediately you want to grab the maidservant, you want to do things our way and rather than waiting for the blueprint from God. And so many times we're jumping and we're not waiting for that blueprint that we have a tendency to really mess it up. And thank goodness yes. God will walk us through it anyway, and eventually, hopefully, we'll be able to get the blueprint that was the, you know, plan A, that we've turned it into
2: plan C. But tell
1: us about that. How did you...
2: I love the story of Sarah, because God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And in order for him and Sarah to be the father and mother of many nations, they needed some children but they didn't have any. Sarah was barren. She felt she was old. She laughed at God. Like, God, me? I'm going to have a baby? Do you know how old I am? And that's one thing that I love. Physical limitations do not intimidate God. God is not intimidated by our age. He's not intimidated by any of our physical deficiencies. But sometimes when things don't happen in our own timing, we need to go exactly how you said it. We want to move to plan B. And that's what Sarah did. And what happened was her maidservant Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. And Ishmael was not a seed of the promise. He was a seed of the flesh. And any time that we allow seeds of the flesh to give birth, and it's outside of God's timing and God's plan, we bring about trouble and chaos that God never intended for us to have in our lives. And that's what happened with Sarah and Abraham. Eventually, they did wait, and then they had their promised son, Isaac. But if you really read the Bible, you'll see all the chaos that they experienced because Ishmael was born. They had chaos even in their own home. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that we wait for God and we trust his plan. Mm
1: -hmm. And then you have those out there, I'm just, I'm just throwing out devil's advocate where I know uh, I have women coming up to me going, I really want to do a ministry or I want to be a part of a ministry, or I feel like I'm not doing anything. Um, but then you'll, you'll throw something at them. Hey, have you considered, you know, coming in and helping us in student ministry or, you know, how about coming along over here and help? And they say, I'm going to pray about it which I'm all about praying about it. But sometimes I think we can pray, pray, pray where you're in the fetal position and you're immobilized You know, where it's like, okay, but it's okay to move and serve and then see just join God, be obedient, and then see where God is going to place you and what path. What What are your thoughts on that?
2: On being obedient, I would just say, I mean, again, I think some of those things are a a choice, and it goes back to if there's something that God has placed in your heart, continue to pray until you are absolutely sure, and absolute certainty comes with peace. So if you don't have total peace about it, don't move. And sometimes God gives us peace with things that we don't want to do in our flesh but if you have peace, then you need to obey God.
1: I love that. Absolute certainty comes with peace. So speaking of peace, I'm going to switch gears again. And you were talking about tithing and teaching people, you know, how to tithe and how to go through those steps. I know just the, the word tithing sometimes makes people run from church. And I've actually invited neighbors to come to church with us where they have said, is that a church where they're just going to ask me to give money? So the enemy has done a really good job in portraying church this way, that that's all it's about is you go there and people are immediately going to ask you to empty your pockets. So... what about, I just want to get into, sometimes we get hurt by the church. And we, we have a few minutes before we go into a commercial break. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to blatantly just come out and say, so have you been hurt by the church
2: before? Absolutely. Absolutely, I have. I have been hurt by the church on multiple occasions and i've been hurt by the people at the church i have been hurt by past pastors um that i have been under their leadership and there have been moments where i have felt you know i'm done i honestly i like i'm done with church, and I mean I'm done with church in the traditional sense, but what I really had to learn to separate is the difference between the imperfect people at the church and the perfect God that I serve, and what happens is a lot of times people are in the church and they get hurt, and they say, you know what, I'm done, and they not only walk away from church, they walk away from God, and that is the danger, that is a dangerous thing to do. Because even though we go to church, we, you know, there's millions of churches in our world. The people that are there, including the pastor, are still human, and they're still imperfect. And anytime you have imperfect people, you open yourself up to hurt. And I mean, I've I know what it it, it feels like to be hurt by the church and to not want to go back. I know what it feels like to be frustrated to have to find another church, and I know what it feels like to just say, you know what, I'm done. I I'm have my relationship with God, and I'm not going to go back to church. But to those people, I would say, remember God, and remember that he tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. And when we get hurt at work we don't run away and say, I'm never going to work again. And when we get hurt through organizations that we're passionate about serving in, we don't run away from those organizations and say, I'm never going to be affiliated again. I think we just have to move to a place of prayer. And sometimes we join churches without praying, and so we're in the wrong place. Or sometimes those churches change. And as those churches change, you have to allow God to speak to you and say, is this
1: still my set place? Mm. Well, I I love that, Nika. I love move to a place of prayer. And we're going to go into a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about have you been wounded by the church?
0: This is Girlfriend on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend radio right after these.
3: My husband and I have always wanted to plan a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. Do women need larger
2: parking spaces? The owners of the Togla rest stop in southeastern China think so. They have created a number of parking spaces that are 50% larger, designated for female drivers, with the international symbol for women and outlined in pink. When asked by a Chinese newspaper why they felt the need to enlarge the parking spaces for women drivers, a lot manager explained that they observed female drivers having a difficult time parking, which slowed down the order of traffic. I admit I'm a bit of a baby bummel or bungler when it comes to parking, but is this really necessary? Actually, I was complimented on my parking the other day. Someone left a note that said, Parking? Fine. It's and
3: and I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we have been chatting with Tanika Fitzgerald. She's the author of In Miscarried Joy, Moving Beyond Incredible Pain to Extraordinary Faith. And we have moved beyond uh, going through infertility and miscarriages to all of a sudden now we're talking about tithing and (laughs) being (laughs) The church. So I love this. I love these kind of conversations where we can just keep unpacking, you know, just the hurt and the pain and the struggles of life, but where God comes in and does bring the joy and, you know, is able to kind of mold us and um, bring, hopefully bring us out to be this incredible, just like James says, and more Christ-like individual. So we were talking uh, about, within the church, how um, so many times we have a tendency just to go, okay, I'm out of here. I am done. I love Jesus. I can just keep moving forward with my relationship with God. I don't need to be a part of a body of Christ because I keep getting hurt when I am in the body of Christ. And what what do you think the, the tip is there, Tanika, to be able to Get, get over that and really look inside and see the bigger picture.
2: It is incredibly hard. Um, and with my most recent church hurt, it took me a while to be able to let it go. Because especially if you're very active in the church and you serve and you you give and you sacrifice and you trust the people that you're serving with, you trust the leadership that you're under, And all of a sudden, something happens. And and there's different types of of hurt, right? You talked a lot. You talked about tithing. I know that there are people who say, I don't want to go to church because they're just going to ask for money. And that has to come from somewhere. So we have to understand that there is a root of the hurt that you experience. So with tithing, I've understood that, too. You're tithing, you're giving money, you know, you're giving your offerings, and then you have churches that ask for more money, but you don't see the church thriving at the mm-hmm. level of the giving. And that begins to become a concern for people because anything that you give to, you want to see results. You know, it's just like if you if you own a business or if you are investing in a business, you're giving something You want to see that investment, you want to see a return on your investment, whether it's in the lives of other people or whether it's, you know, through building other churches. And so that creates a level of distrust in the church. Um, There is the type of church hurt where, you know, frankly, maybe you're lied on, right? And... That's hard to deal with, but in terms of just being able to get over it, I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to forgive, Mm. even if you don't want to, even if they never apologize to you, even if the real truth is never known, you have to forgive. And once you forgive, you have to say, God, now I need you to free me of this emotionally. And it takes time. It's not something that you feel, you know, don't feel like you should be, it's been a month, you should be over it, especially if this is a church that you've been at for an extended period of time. But forgive, really be, you know, get over it, and then really, really be set and say, God, I still trust you, and I know that what I experience is not a reflection of who you are.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. God, I trust you and what I've experienced is not a reflection of who you are. And that is so true. We, I think sometimes we get so caught up. I, I believe, obviously, the, the church is the hope of the world, but sometimes we get so caught up that that is our God, the church and the, the imperfect humans that make up the body of Christ, that we forget to To be able to step back and look at it from that perspective. So I, I love those three tips. First of all, forgive that person. And I know m- many times when I hear people talking about, I, an example I will give is uh, I had a, a close friend that was going to a church where she was doing all of the decorating and design for in the women's ministry. And at one point they were kind of the changing of the guards from, you know, women directors. And I don't think they realized how significant of a part that this particular person played in the decorating. (laughs) And so they started adding more decorators into the picture without talking to her about it. And this really cut her deeply. And then within the next year, they weren't using her at all. And so after years passed, she was holding on to that to the point where there, the, the forgiveness um, just did not take place, and she, she left the church over this. And when I finally came to her to ask her, she, that's where, like you said, you have to find out the, the root of the problem. And rather than being able to look at the church and seeing, okay, it was just a part of communication. The one woman's director didn't pass on, hey, this is who we use in the past when we're doing events. And, you know, when you're doing ministry, you're just grabbing warm bodies to help you out. Many times you don't have a strategy in place (laughs) and you're not looking at a manual that says, oh, last year at this event, we used X, Y, and Z. You know, it just kind of. You know, I think I'm, I'm
2: sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, go ahead. I think you said something very powerful. You said that there is no strategy. And we have to realize I am not a pastor. My husband's not a pastor. Um, But a church is two parts, right? There's a spiritual part and there's a business part. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't want, or you know, a lot of times we find churches that don't run like a business. Mm-hmm. Right, because had that, and it seems like she left the church, your friend left the church for something that's very small, but that wouldn't, it could happen, but it probably should not happen in a business setting. Mm-hmm. There should be some type of communication, and churches and leadership, they want the members to communicate with them, but they don't return that, right? if That situation probably could have been avoided with communication Mm -hmm. the other thing I find is that you said you they pick and you know they they just place people wherever Mm -hmm. and I feel that it's important to place people in ministry where their areas of passion are if you place people that are passionate about children in the children's ministry you'll have a thriving children's ministry. If you place people that are passionate about singing in the music ministry, you'll have a thriving music ministry because when people are doing what they're passionate about, they give 110%. Mm-hmm. And so I think Absolutely. that that's a, a huge part that some churches miss.
1: And that is a huge part where I see church hurt. Because, like you said, you might have someone coaching in the sports ministry, and then all of a sudden they have a changing of guards, and that person doesn't get a call back. So they feel like, well, did I mess up? Did I do something? And then they go, fine. If the church doesn't want me where I'm passionate, where I'm gifted, then I'm not going to serve elsewhere. And we get caught up rather than where God is calling you. You're seeing it as the the humans (laughs) aren't calling you. So you check out, but I, Mm -hmm. I hear it and I see this over and over again. And I, and I really, I love that where you're talking about forgive, then ask God, okay, free me of this emotionally. And then the third one, God, I trust you. So then where else do I need to be serving? And let me, you know, remove this where I'm putting the people in front of you and I will go to you to find out, you know, where, where do I have the passion? Where are my strengths and my giftedness to be able to serve in my body of Christ? And don't wait for them to ask you. You get in there and jump in, and you are the church. Quit waiting for someone on staff um, to, to do the big ask. You go for it.
2: And, you know, another thing that I would love to talk about is that a church is not a place where you just give. It's also not a place where you just take. Mm-hmm. There has to be—it has to be a relational part. Or, you know, it has to be a giving and relational partnership. So, if I'm a member at a church, I have something to bring, but I should also be receiving something. So, if there is a calling on my life, then I should probably be receiving the knowledge that I need to prepare for that. Right. Or if I am depressed or discouraged or I'm walking in a season of infertility, why can't I go to the church and get the help that I need? And so I think that's another reason why people are starting to shy away from the church, because they feel that what they need is not found at the church. Or they Mm -hmm. go to the church and they find more issues in the church than they have without having you know, a partnership or having some relationship with the church. And it unfortunately causes people to feel like they don't need to be part of the church or they don't want to be part of the church. And I know I know firsthand what that feels like, but I just want to encourage people to really fight through that. And there are lots of churches out there that are amazing, even the churches that I've been a part of in the past amazing ministries, but just because it's an amazing ministry don't mean that it's the amazing ministry for you.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Well, Tika, we only have a, a minute before we end the show and first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us on Girlfriend It today and thank you, you um, have offered so many um, just great insights for us to to walk away with and Also, with your book, In Miscarried Joy Moving Beyond Incredible Pain to Extraordinary Faith, you basically can get online, you can go to Amazon. Um, Also, tell us how we can find out more about you and your publications.
2: Well, you can go to the book website, and that is miscarriedjoy.com. You can also purchase a signed copy of the book directly from that website. I also have a personal website and blog, and that is tanikafitzgerald.com. And Miscarried joy can also be purchased on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online and select stores.
1: Okay, Perfect. Well, I just, once again, I want to thank you for being on our show today, and I hope that everyone out there, our listeners, have a very Merry Christmas, and just remember that even though we might be struggling, God will always bring us the joy if we just turn it over to Him. So, see you next week.
2: Thank you for having me.